I mentioned the fact that I use a stool to sit on when I'm preaching. Someone said, well, Dr. Charles Stanley uses one now. And Dr. Stanley is about three years younger than I am. <laughs> but uh, again, I want to thank you for the uh, for being with me this weekend. Thank you for your prayers and everything you've done for me. And thank, I want to thank my brother Clark. I, I, he's always the first one usually to call me and tell me that I'm preaching. The pastor sometimes he forgets about it. <laughs> he did call me a little later and and tell me that that he that I was. So I'm kind of a stand-in. I uh, last week was my I was assigned to preach. And I was in the hospital, I think. Probably Brother Michael took my place. But uh, it's good to speak to the Lord. It's so much better than... Brother Gary used to ask me at 7 o'clock in the morning if I would have the message. And God has always been wonderful. He's always given me something. But today, let's bow our heads and ask the Blessed Holy Spirit to be with us. Father, you are so special. And we love you so much. And Father, I sense and feel that you're with us today. I just love you so much, and I know that my church family does. I believe that with all of my heart. Thank you again for the blessed Holy Spirit that I believe is in attendance here today. And I pray, Father, that you would speak through me and speak to the hearts of each one here today, that we might come to realize what it means to be a friend of Jesus is my prayer in his name. Amen. I would like to begin by taking a scripture that is taken from Colossians chapter 1, verses 13 to 23. This scripture that I'm going to be sharing with you is taken from the Message Bible which is a paraphrase. So if you try to follow along in your Bible, there's a good chance you might get a little tongue-tied. But I love the way that Eugene Peterson puts this. So I want to use a message translation by paraphrase by uh, as we begin. And it reads like this. Everything, absolutely everything, Above and below, visible and invisible, rank after rank of angels, everything got started in him and finds its purpose in him. He was there before any of it came into existence, and he holds it all together right up to this moment. And when it comes to the church, he... He organized, organized it and holds it together like a head does a body. He was supreme in the beginning and leading the resurrection parade. He is supreme in the end. From beginning to the end, he is there, tall and high above everything else. So spacious is he, so roomy that Everything of God finds its proper place in him and without crowding. Not only that, but all the broken and dis dislocated pieces of the universe, people and things, animals and atoms, 
get properly fixed and fit together in vibrant harmony, all because of his death. His blood that poured down from the cross, you yourself are a case study of what he does. At one time, you all had your backs turned to God, thinking rebellious thoughts of him, living in right totally opposite of what he would desire, giving him all the trouble, uh, trouble ever, ever chance you had. But now, by giving yourself completely to him and realizing he died for you, Christ brought you over to God's side and put his holy life in your presence. And I like, this is what part I like. He says, you don't walk away from a gift like that. You stay grounded and study in the bond of trust, constantly tuned in to the message, careful not to be distracted or distorted. There's no other message, just this one. Every creature under heaven gets this message. There's no other message, just this one. Takes me back to about 45 years ago. I, uh, back when we had in gathering, some of you old timers remember when in gathering was very much a part of this church. And in the Cincinnati First Church, it was absolutely amazing the, what we'd done in the in-gathering program. All the other churches looked like tiddlywinks, to be honest with you. So the conference came down to celebrate with us. It was a celebration. As a personal ministers leader, I was the host of the program. And what I had to say, the, the conference liked it, wanted me to come to Camp Mohaven and to... Uh, a retreat for pastors and elders and give the same talk that I, that I had given there. I did. The, con- the union conference was there, and the union conference said, could we take that and print it and put it in one of our magazines? They did, and it became a f- featured article uh, in one of our magazines. And the churches read it, our sister churches and Cincinnati are in, they started calling me and asking me to come speak. And the pastor, Peter Reed, a good friend and pastor of mine, he passed away about six months ago. He called me and he said, Glenn, would you tell him about Jesus? I said, Pastor, I don't know anything else to talk about. And really what I was saying, I think that I don't know anything else as important as that to talk about. Kind of reminds me of, uh, I think it was Charles Spurgeon that said, Plop me down any place in the Bible, any place in the Scripture, and I will make a beeline for the cross and Jesus. So all of my messages that I've been, God has given me over the years has been about Jesus. It makes me think of a bumper sticker that I've seen. A bumper sticker that I've seen, it was from the license was from Alaska. And it said, after Alaska, everything else just looks like Texas. You know, I don't know what the Texans would think about that, but 
But if they don't like that one, they won't like this one either. From another bumper sticker with Alaskan license plates. But this bumper sticker said, if you cut cut Alaska in half, Texas becomes the third largest state. But I like the one that says, that, that, that makes a statement. After Alaska, everything else just looks like Texas because it reminds me, after Jesus, everything else just pales into insignificance. It's all about Jesus. There is no other message. There is no other message, just this one message. Every creature under heaven gets this same message. And when it comes back to him, our message today is looking for friends. And someone once said not too long ago, I remember a professor, one of our professors in one of our college made it, said, one of his students asked him, he said, if Jesus loved us so much, why didn't he come himself instead of sending his son? And the teacher said, you don't have a son, do you? He said, no, I don't. He said, if you ever have a son, then you'll understand that. Because you really, if you love someone, you'll gladly take their place. And so in a sense, we could say that God took the harder part. So this message today, when I talk about God, I'm talking most friends, I'm talking about him and his son. Philip Yancey, in his book, It Hurts, I think he had one book, Getting to Know Jesus. He had a lot of things to say about God. And I was interested in a personal retreat that he took. He went to the Rocky Mountains in Colorado and he rented a cabin. He wanted to, in that cabin, he was going to, for two weeks, and he wanted to read the Bible through in two weeks, cover to cover. And he wanted to see an airline view and what would leap out at him. So he read it through in two weeks by himself in the cabin, cover to cover in two weeks. And through, this is what he said. That the entire Bible boiled down to one effort after another effort of Jesus, of God, seeking a relationship with his people. Effort after effort. God saying, can't we be friends? Can't we be friends? God is looking for friends. God is looking for friends. It goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve refused. They broke off the relationship that they had with him. He went to Enoch, and Enoch and he walked in friendship. They walked in friendship. But he wanted more friends. And he looked to the left, and he looked to the right, and he went to Noah. And he said, Noah, will you be my friend? And Noah, would you tell the people that I just want to be their friends? I don't want to, I don't want to destroy them. God doesn't want anybody to be lost. He's looking for friends. He's looking for friends. He went to the patriarchs like Abraham and said, Abraham, would you tell the people, I just love them? 
I just love them. I want to be their friend. I want to be. He went to Israel. He said, if I could have a special group that would assist me and tell them the world that I want to, want to be their friend. And then he went to the prophets. He tried everything that he could. He re, he's, re, he's returning. He's returning for me and you. He's looking for friends. Then there comes a, there comes a nation called the Jews. And he said to them, this is what my father and I are like. We are trying to bridge a gap. We're trying to make a connection. We want to restore something that has been lost. So Jesus goes to Calvary. And the people said to him, how much do you love us? Jesus didn't speak, but in his eyes he gestured. This is how much my father and I love you. And after the resurrection, after the resurrection, there is a gospel commission for us to go tell the world that I'm looking for friends. Tell them that I would like to have a relationship with them. He used the reformers to get the word out. God is not looking to see how many he can keep out of heaven. He's looking to see how many that he can get into heaven. He's looking for friends. The Bible tells us he uses a group called the remnant at the close of this earth's history. What is the message of the remnant? It's God looking for friends. God looking for friends. He's looking for friends in you and in me. That's what it's all about. Did you, did you ever feel rejected? Did you ever feel rejected? Did you ever think for a moment, maybe you thought you had a special group, that you were part of that, that group, and they had a birthday party, some kind of party, and you was excluded. You didn't, you didn't receive a call. You were not invited. How did that feel? How did, how did that feel? Or maybe you, you had a job position and you knew that you should have had that promotion, but maybe a relative or someone in, in the office got the position. How did it feel? How did it feel? Maybe you were engaged to be married and just before the wedding, your fiancé calls, calls off the engagement. How did that feel? How did that feel? Maybe, maybe you were were married, and maybe that your your spouse asked you for divorce. How did that feel? How did that? Maybe you are a child that grew up in a home that, or a broken home, where that you went from one parent to the others. You grew up in that kind of environment, and you come to the place that you wondered if either one of them really wanted you. How did it feel? Maybe you can remember, maybe the nominating committee, and you were on, and someone nominated you for an office. You were on that committee, and you had to go outside while they discussed it, and you come back, and you didn't get it. You didn't get it. it was, but they they told you that we have something else for you in mind. You go out the second time, you come back. And they didn't, and it wasn't for you. How did you feel? How did you feel? And so there, perhaps I can think of so many ways that you can receive rejection. And God has received them in every area of those. 
Maybe you remember your class prom. And you still remember those days with your sweaty palms as you reached out to pick up the phone. But the thing that you remember the most, you called to get the special date that you thought would go with you. But you still remember the voice on the other end. Says, thank you for calling. But I don't think so. How did it feel? How did it feel? But maybe you are, are the girl and you are hoping somebody would call you, but they never called you. You were left out. How did it feel? How did it feel? How did it feel to be passed over, to be excluded? In John 13, Jesus tells Peter, Jesus tells Peter that you're going to deny me three times. You will deny me three times. And then in John 21, Jesus asks Peter a question. Ask us Peter a question. And I want you to think with me. I want you to think with me about this question. Jesus has asked us. He said, Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? That's a scary question. That's a scary question to ask somebody. Do you love me? Are you... It's scary because on the... It puts yourself on a limb. It puts your heart out on a platter. It matters to you that they say yes. And if they do not answer with a yes, it could be devastating. It could be devastating. Jesus said to Peter, Peter, do you love me? Not once, but twice. Not twice, but three times. Peter, do you love me? What's going on here? What's going on here? The creator and God of the universe is asking, do we care about him? Do we care about him? But Jesus, who died a bloody, uh, God-forsaken death, asks us, do you love me? Will you love me? Could you love me? And in Jerusalem, as he weeps over the over Jerusalem, Jerusalem, oh Jerusalem, how that, like a mother hen, I would have covered you with my wings. What can I do that I have not done? What can I do that I have not done? Do you love me? Can we be friends? Can we be friends? This is utter, this is utterly astounding, I think. I think it was Brennan Manning. He says that there was no room in the end was symbolic of what was going to happen to Jesus. The only place there was room for Jesus was on a cross. The only place there was room for Jesus was on a cross. He tried entry into the overcrowded hearts of men, but he could not find it. But still, still, his search goes on. And he's still finding rejection. Will you be my friend? Will you be my friend? In Isaiah chapter 3, it says that he was, he was despised and rejected of man, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. 
and as one from whom men hid their face, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. In other words, we cared not. We cared not. In chapter 15, verses 4 and 9, surely he took up our infirmities. He carried our sorrows. Folks, I want you to think about this for a moment. Think about this for a moment. Not do you need God. Not do you, does God need you? Does God need, just, just reverse the thing for a minute. For long we have been trying to Convince people how much that they need God. I want you to think about this for a moment. Here is the creator of the universe. Here is the prince of love. Here is the source of all love. And he's saying, I just want to be your friend. I'm dying to be your friend. Sometimes people say in a profane way, in a profane way, for Christ's sake, for God's sake. Couldn't we say this morning, can we just say, for God's sake, will you be my friend? For Christ's sake, will you be my friend? God is saying, I need it more than you do. I need it more than you do. Can we be friends? I love you. I'm looking to have a relationship with you. Revelation 3.20 says, he says he's knocking. He's knocking right now. He's knocking right now. If any hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and fellowship with him and he with me. Dear hearts, it was nearly 50 years ago that I opened the heart. He knocked on my door and it was a, I received the greatest friend that I've ever known in my life. He totally changed my life and he's a true friend. I had a lot of members here in this church come to visit me in a hospital. And I appreciated each and every one of them. But you know, I have a friend that went with me that was with me every moment. He never left. He's always there. He come back home with me and uh, he's with me and gave me this message as we went over together. It's what a truly wonderful friend to have. You know, his heart is on a platter. He's not ashamed to beg for you. Do you ever think about that? Our loving Heavenly Father who created this earth, who picked up a handful of dirt and breathed on it and it became a living man is not ashamed to beg you to be his friend. He's not ashamed to be stripped, stark naked and nailed to a cross so you might know how desperately he loves you. That's why it's called at one He wants to bring us back into the hug. He wants to bring us back into the embrace. He wants to restore the broken relationship with us. And he's saying, can we be friends? Can we be friends? So we end our message today with the same verse that we started with in Colossians 1, 22 and 23. You stay grounded and steady in the bond of trust, constantly tuned in to Jesus, careful not to be distracted or diverted. There's no other message, friends. There's no other message, just this one. He wants to be our friend. Father, 
Thank you so much for initiating this. It was you truly that first loved us. Oh, Father, we give a testimony and a witness today. We want to be your friend. Well, we know you're searching for friends, Father. Father, I just want to say this morning as I believe that each one in this congregation as they stand here today, they want to say, Lord, I'm your friend. I want to be your friend. I desire that more than anything in this world. Thank you, Father, for loving me that much. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.